This episode of the Two Fit Crazies in a Microphone podcast is brought to you by TFC Productions. Two Fit Crazy Productions, TFC Productions, that's our production company helping people with their podcasts. Increase your brand, grow your business by creating your very own podcast, and we are here to help you every step of the way. You do not have to do all the work. We do a lot of it for you. This podcast is also brought to you by ContiFit.com. Get the best online training, the best in arthritis, in let's face it together, facial fitness and rehabilitation, all sorts of functional fitness training at your fingertips. That's ContiFit.com. Also brought to you by High Five Health and Fitness. Uh, virtual health coaching sessions and corporate wellness programs, all the information at high5healthandfitness.com. It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. I've been wanting to say this the whole time. Say it. One night in Bangkok and the world's <laughs> oh your God, oyster. Oh my God, you're so cheesy. I love that. Come on. <laughs> Jack Thomas is the guest for today, and he is joining us all the way from Bangkok, Thailand. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, it, no, he's got a lot. He's got a lot going on, and he's doing very well for himself in an you know an emerging market, so to speak. Uh, fitness hasn't been uh, you know too big a part of you know the the landscape in Bangkok for too too long until a guy like Jack comes along mm-hmm. and kind of. You know, uh, starts opening up boutique uh, gyms, and and he started off with one company, and now he's moved on to his his uh, his newest company. He's the founder of uh, you know a gym called Base, mm-hmm. and uh, really exciting. He's got some cool technology aspects to it. Yeah. Um, you know the way that people are able to track their workouts and and uh, and show some improvements in their in their fitness and things along the way. He's got you know some proprietary software that he's using, and he and- studied the top companies around the world. And- and, it. you know, really made it his own. And uh, we have to say that he's going to talk about this on the show, but he's not from Bangkok. He's actually from England, England, Bristol. So you're going to hear his accent. We love our accents, you know, um, but he wound up backpacking and, and wound up staying over there. And he's a uh, multi-potentialite. He's been <laughs> through many different careers and he's really found his calling. And he's also really about educating others and helping others and living that life of, of servitude. And he's the host of the Fitness Business Asia podcast. Exactly. So that's really what piqued my interest about Re- Jack. Because really I was like, cool. wait a minute. Wait, huh? Fellow podcaster? What? Fitness Business Asia, I need to talk to you. We need exactly. to get you. And, and I love what he said about the about starting the podcast and establishing. He says, I basically made the podcast that I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and Ooh, you know, we, that sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. And, and uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll steal that from him or borrow it or what have you. Um, uh, and, you know, it's, it's, really, it's just really refreshing to hear him speak about it. You know, the business itself, what it's like there, you know, his clientele in – you know, in the in the gym and in the area, and where he thinks things are going, because um, you know it's it's it, there's a lot of opportunity for him there to expand his business and maybe some franchising going on, and and you know moving to some of the other big cities and places that you need to be in that uh, in Southeast Asia, um, you know where you need to be if you're going to expand, and uh, you know it's exciting. It's uh, it's always good to hear uh, you know these stories, and uh, really excited to uh, perspective from around the world is absolutely. what we're looking at. So. 
it, you're going to enjoy this. Um, Jack is amazing. He's got a lot of great information. And, you know, if you're a fitness pro looking to, you know, get into something different or see what's working or you're just someone who's like, hey, this sounds really cool. Um, what is this? And you're going to love it. So listen up. It's amazing. Two Fit Crazy in the Microphone podcast. Jack Thomas. Here we go. Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, do you know where it's at? It's We're so far away. It's another day where we're speaking to right now. It is the future. <laughs> and I am super excited to connect with people around the world because when we started this podcast, that's what it was about, was bringing this world closer and bridging gaps between fitness and and mental health and wellness and you name it and uh our guest tonight jack thomas just happens to be in bangkok welcome right. to Very the happy show to be here, guys. i love it so every one of our listeners that are like wait where is that mm-hmm. go get a map okay <laughs> um refresh your geography and it's it's pretty darn far away from New York and New Jersey Shore where we are right now. So we're we're excited to uh, have you on our airwaves. Um, founder, CEO of Base, host of Fitness Business Asia podcast, fellow podcast, yeah, love it, yeah. So you know our guests don't ever just fall on our show. There's there's something you know maybe that we share and. Again, everyone that's listening to us, whether you're a fit pro or you're someone that's just a fitness enthusiast, this is these are cool. These are the cool conversations we get to have and find out perspectives of what other people are doing around the world. Are, are we just the crazy ones, or or are there other crazies out there? So, Jack, what what's going on? So, where are you coming to us from exactly? I am coming from Bangkok in Thailand, but I'm not Thai. I am British, but I've been an expat here for about 15 years. And hearing you give that intro, it's funny because some of my American friends say that when they go back to the States, people think they're living in Taiwan. <laughs> they have to say, no, Th- Thailand's a different country. Easy to confuse, I know. But no, Thailand is in Southeast Asia. Taiwan is a little bit more north of this country. But yeah, it's a great place to be, Thailand, most of the time. We're going through our difficulties at the moment. But yeah, I guess it's it's home now after 15 years. I never intended to stay this long. I came here as a backpacker, first of all, 21 years old, got sick of my corporate job, came here backpacking. And yeah, one thing led to another. And here I am 15 years later in the fitness industry. Wait, wait, at age 21, you got sick of your corporate job? I did, yes. Yeah. I did. <laughs> we're yeah, quite young for that, right? We, we quit. No, 
we quit ours too <laughs> a little later, but you know. Well, no, I mean, I was a, I started out as investment banking in my early twenties. I was like, yeah, no, this is <laughs> nope. And I left that and went into teaching like pretty much immediately. So I always ask, you know, was it, did you know right away? You know, were you just like, oh, this is nope. Yep. Nothing. To it took me a while. Actually. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. It, it took me a while in the corporate job to really cotton on to the fact that it wasn't for me. So I didn't go to university. I left school at, um, at 16, just got a few jobs in retail. And then I got a job in a bank as a cashier. So kind of at the bottom of the banking food chain, if you will, and kind of started to do quite well and sort of work my way up into a slightly better position within the banking structure. And I, I was actually really quite proud to work for a bank. I was like, check me out. I'm a banker. I'm going to be a big deal, going to make loads of money. And so for a year or so, I kind of rode that wave. And then it just, just the soulless nature of banking in the UK. I think particularly at that time, you know, the aggressive sales tactics that we had to employ in the branch to basically try and get people in more debt. You know, I think by the time I'd been there a year, I kind of realized it wasn't really for me, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I came here to Thailand to visit a friend that was traveling. So he was backpacking at the time and just had the most magical two weeks of my life. I was sitting at the airport with my friend in Bangkok, trying to persuade him to tell our employers that we'd lost our passports and we had to stay for another month. Hmm. But he wasn't up for that. So we probably quite sensibly came back. But as soon as I came back and stepped in the bank, I knew that, that I had to leave. So I pretty much gave my notice straight away. Nine months later, I did a two jobs during the nine months um, that, I, that I served my notice. I was doing a bar job in the evening, corporate in the daytime, and then left for Thailand. So yeah, it was, um, took me a while to realize corporate life wasn't for me. But once I'd left, there was, there was kind of no going back, really. So- was it similar for you? There, there are these times that you just learn to live, right? And you learn how you want to live and how you don't want to live. And uh, I was in mortgage banking for a minute myself, not more than that, uh, <laughs> about eight years. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, you, you know, I was, I was living in my own skin and I uh, couldn't quite stand it. Uh, and, you know, until you make some moves and uh, make yourself happy and do some pretty cool things exotic things like backpacking in thailand exotic yeah you know it's 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 different i got some good questions about this first off um after i left banking i went into teaching because that's you know everyone fulfills it's so fulfilling and the kids and the you know what by the end of the 16 years that i taught i mean great you know good pay and and you know one i should be so happy and and i was like if i have to teach and the Shakespeare one more time, I'm going to poke my eyes out of my head. And I knew that there was a bigger calling and more people I could help. And, um, again, I slowly, you know, kind of built my way up in the fitness industry. But as I was, you know, probably saying, all right, I need to do something that is not going to suck the life out of me anymore and fill, you know, fill my cup and help other people live. But when I did that, and that's what I'm always curious about, I mean, you left. It wasn't like you left and moved to like, hey, number one, you quit your good job and then you decide to move across the world. How did this go over with your family and your friends? Because, I mean, Carol, my mom, who I talk about all the time, is just your pension, Christine. What are you going crazy? What is? And my friends to this day are like, yeah, we all thought you were crazy and we're having a mental breakdown. I'm like, thanks for the confidence, everyone. Yay. Yeah, I think for it's very much like 
British culture really. It's almost like a rite of passage to 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 go abroad to travel. So like all my friends had been traveling sort of in the time that I was working. Like they'd already done the Thailand, Southeast Asia, Australia circuit. So what? No, you know there wasn't really any objections. I think you know I didn't have a particularly good job in banking. I wasn't earning tons of money. So I think people sort of understood the decision a little bit more. And to be honest, it was quite interesting how many people were like, "Yeah, I kind of knew that wasn't for you." They kind of saw it a little bit before me. You know, I was pretty young. I was still kind of finding my feet, still kind of getting comfortable in my own skin, finding my direction. So I didn't really know. But I think some people closest to me sort of did realize that really. And it wasn't really much of a surprise to them. But the way that my journey in Southeast Asia has kind of taken place, it just sort of happened step by step. You know, first I was coming backpacking. It's like, oh, that's okay. You know, yeah, cool. Have a good time kind of thing. Then I was teaching English for a while. So I also went the teaching route such as yourself. But that was only supposed to be like a short term gap. So everyone was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Mum was like, okay, we'll come back soon, but that's all right. Then I did that for about six months. And then I started a small clothing export business. And that started doing quite well with a friend of mine in the UK. So I was exporting clothing from Thailand, mostly to the UK, selling on eBay, stuff like that. And that went really well, really quickly. And so that kind of, I got my feet more firmly in Thailand from that. That went really well for about six or seven years, but took a sharp downturn in about 2008, 2009, in line with the global economic crisis. And the pound lost a lot of value, so that really hit the business. And kind of like my corporate job, I realized I, I was, didn't really enjoy it anymore. You know, the little things that I used to love, I didn't really like anymore. Like I used to love shopping for new designs and finding, you know, new new labels and stuff like that. And then there was a moment when I was in one of the markets in Bangkok where I used to get a lot of my my clothing. And it was just a moment where I realized I did not want to be there. I hated it. And I kind of realized in that moment that I had to find something else to do, as well as the business not doing very well as well. So that was when I decided to get into fitness. I was doing some football or soccer coaching, as you call it, in some of the international schools here. The fitness industry was at a very young undeveloped stage i could see that most personal trainers really weren't very good pretty much rep counting not really giving much soul or energy to their clients so i knew a couple of expats that were doing quite well so it was about 10 years ago that i decided to make that switch into the fitness industry and that was a real crossroads for me i wasn't sure whether to go back to the uk i looked at going to australia i looked at going to university something i never did but decided to get into the fitness industry. So started off as a PT, as a coach, did my certs back in the UK, started working for a small fitness studio here. And then we, a year later, opened a bigger fitness studio, which was pretty much the birth of the boutique fitness scene, certainly in Thailand, but pretty much Southeast Asia as well. The studio is called The Lab and it's still there today doing well. And it just kind of exploded overnight. So we went from being like 2% expat, uh, sorry, 2% Thai, so pretty much no local market at all. And then pretty much overnight, we created this great location, very like, quote unquote, Instagrammable. And pretty much overnight, we had sort of 30 to 35% ties, you know, in our, in, our, in our studio. And then over time, that went to about half, half. And now the boutique fitness industry is probably 80 to 90% ties. So it's been really cool to kind of see that growth and development of the boutique fitness scene and kind of be involved in that and then five years ago I left that position I went from coach to manager to managing director of that company my boss went to live in Australia and so I was you know had a lot of responsibility day to day and then five years ago I was like hey I think I'm ready to do my own thing so I um, broke away from that company resigned and started working on base and that's been a yeah great journey over the last five years we opened our second location a year after our first and our third location a year after that and then the last year or so has been a little bit more rocky, but you know we are going strong and things are going well with base at the moment. So, so 
give us some insight into the fitness scene in Thailand, Bangkok, uh, you know, and, and even culturally, how is it, uh, you know, is it part of their culture in any way? You know, I know that probably obviously the boxing and soccer football is, you know, somewhat big everywhere. And, you know, I'm sure they have their, their own unique things, you know, things that they do. But what's the scene like? It's developed a lot. So, so, you know, it's been, yeah, and that's why it's been so fascinating to see, really, because when 15 years ago, like the first chain gyms were just opening up, kind of American, European style chain gyms. Uh, there was one called California Wow, which is now <laughs> bankrupt. It was this very brash Californian guy called Eric Ravine that ran that. And yeah, they sold these lifetime memberships and they had massive speakers outside and these salespeople signing you up on the street. And that was kind of the birth of the fitness industry, really. So although, um, you know, they went bankrupt. I think, you know, in, in some ways, the fitness industry owes quite a lot to that, that establishment. Um, so that kind of sparked these other chain gyms opening up. And that's kind of continued to this day. So you've got, you know, Fitness First, Virgin Active, a lot of the big sort of international players. But 10 years ago, when I got in the fitness industry, there was no real boutique scene or like small studio scene but since then it's really exploded so we opened pretty much the first studio then it was quite quiet for a year or two it was just us and a few other players and then it really just just exploded into life you know if i look at 10 years ago bristol where i'm from in the uk had a much more developed fitness scene than bangkok now for sure bangkok is way more developed than bristol so you know over the last five years we've seen sort of soul cycle type offerings open up so we've got three or four of those we've seen some kind of rumble style aqua boxing bag gyms opening up you know pilates yoga pretty much you know all the offerings that you would find in in london and new york you can find here um, which has been really really cool to see so now i would say you know bangkok's probably a second tier asia city singapore certainly is leading the way and you've got sort of orange theory you've got f45 here for example um And Bangkok's kind of a second tier city. So loads happening, loads going on, more than most cities in the UK. And it's sort of slowly just catching up to the West, really. So it's been really cool to kind of see that develop. You know, culturally, again, it's fascinating. Sort of eight years ago, you had a class pass style offering that opened up. And I was speaking to one of the founding team there a few years in. And she said that when she arrived in Bangkok, you wouldn't really see anyone wearing, you know, sort of athleisure, Lululemon or anything like that. Within a few years, you jump on the SkyTrain, which is kind of our city transport system. And, you know, on a Sunday, you'd see people going to brunch after their yoga class wearing their athleisure wear. So, yeah, it's really blossomed. It's really boomed, um, which is, yeah, it's been really cool to kind of be a part of that and see where it's at now. It's exciting, you know, and it, and it's really you know neat to, to to hear that. What's um, you know, what's health like in Thailand in Bangkok? You know, is is it a generally healthy place? Are people active? Uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, is it uh, is it someplace you know compared to the rest of the country or the country itself? Is it is it fairly active? I know that here in in the states, it's you know, you got the people that work out, and then you got a whole bunch of whole, you know, a whole bunch of and really then sick the people. Eighty five other percent of people who do have. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Right. And, you know, it's and then there's us who are just, you know, fighting the current, beating it back as much as we can. How do you how, what's going on there? Yeah. So, again, that's shifted and changed as well. You know, like 
if you go to the park in the morning now, it's pretty much full of people running or doing, you know, Tai Chi or yoga or doing some kind of body weight exercise. And that really wasn't the case when I first came here. So it's definitely shifted and definitely changed. Funnily enough, a few days ago, I spoke to someone that's looking at releasing some kind of tech product in Southeast Asia or fitness products. And they were asking me about this. So I really kind of thought and reflected on this. And I think here it's, it's still a little bit more trend based, I think, than it is in the US and the UK. Like people are looking for the latest diet or the latest fitness routine. They kind of follow celebrities and follow influencers a lot. And so I think that the good thing about that is it's still sort of sparking a movement towards fitness. And I think what I've seen is people that kind of maybe get inspired by their favorite celebrity doing some kind of workout. So they give it a go for that reason and that reason alone. But then they have actually been brought into like, sort of the fitness ecosystem and then it's up to us say at base or one of the other studios to show them that it is a really cool experience it is really fun you know fitness doesn't have to be sort of just a horrible thing that you don't look forward to and so i think sort of over time this sort of trend-based shift has actually sort of caused and sparked more more sort of long-term real shift towards fitness and health so i still think you know more people here do it because of the trend and the fad and the celebrity than say the uk and the us but you know that's just shifting and the more people that do it the more people that start moving the more people that see the benefits of it start feeling better start looking better i only see that trend really continuing so again we are behind the west in that way most people are, are either very unfit or maybe doing it kind of for the wrong reasons but it is changing and again it's very cool to see that shift it, you know in thailand i think it's one percent of people have a gym membership in the west it's about 20 percent. so there's still a lot a long way to go there's still a lot of growth especially in the quieter areas around thailand you know the second tier cities the third tier cities they're again a little bit behind bangkok it's good to hear that Western influence isn't always, you know, the most healthy, you know, <laughs> yeah. al- along with uh, Lululemons and, uh, you know, and all those things comes uh, Pepsi and McDonald's, too, you know, so just, yeah, I, I don't I know. Came if, first. I sure. don't know how many people go to Lululemon, but have never worked out in their clothes a day in their life. You Look know, fancy. it's a it's. Yeah, I don't know. Those not so much here. Maybe in the US, right? Really? But not so much here. I think if you wear the gear, you probably have been to the, the the gym here. I think, yeah. Good. I don't know in the US if that's a thing. Do people get all dressed up and then? Yeah, no. Just they they, they, they <laughs> shop there and they'll just that's they just wear them. First of all, I my Lululemon experience, which Lululemon, <laughs> I really want you to redeem yourself. But the pants make me feel like I'm going to be suffocated. <laughs> like I will do a squat. That's the point, isn't it? And they push me right back up like that's how tight they are i'm like oh, i can't breathe in these um but i mean that's my issue I, they look pretty but not functional that's mm. my that's my um my write-up for everyone um for lululemon i'm sorry lululemon i'm here Sponsored for you lululemon, this you want to want to send me something to try again but it's it's been a tough go with you um it, it's fascinating i would love to hear a little bit about what you are doing at base and what is that like? Is it, you know, cause everyone has their thing and their, you know, we like to operate like this. What is, what's your thing with base? What, what do you find success in? Yeah, good question. So when we opened up base, the market was already more mature. So I really wanted something that would help us stand out. Something that I really believed in, you know, with the lab, because we were pretty much the first, boutique studio really our differentiator was you know functional training circuit training you know that made us stand out that made us different we had western coaches 
you know, we delivered a high quality class experience. So that alone was enough for us to stand out. But I realized with bass, we needed something more. And I'd spent time in New York. I'd been to a lot of the top studios there in London. So I'd really kind of got inspired by the whole experience, by the standards. And so the first thing we really wanted to do was really just kind of raise the standards of the fitness industry in Bangkok and Asia and bring a sort of New York standard studio to this city so that was kind of the original vision the original goal and i've always liked the cardio and strength mix you know like barry's boot camp or orange theory so i kind of wanted to have my that's how i've trained as well especially in the few years leading up to setting up base um one rebel is another one in the uk that i liked and they have the same kind of you know treadmill and, and and floor work concepts but i wanted to put my own spin on it i wanted to give it a little bit more depth so we were the first gym in bangkok to introduce cardio machines into our workouts so we use rowers we use assault bikes and we use treadmills as well within our group class concepts and we have our own method of doing that but i wanted something a little bit more so we from day one wanted to like track and record our group class clients results and so we've been through a few stages of development with that. First of all, people used to write it on boards and we took a photo and messaged it to the front desk and everyone had their own spreadsheet. Didn't work at all. Very labor intensive, very difficult, broke down all over the place. So then we switched to a once a month session where clients would come in and do a range of like cardio and strength assessments. They'd write it on a piece of paper and the front desk team would enter it into PDF. So it kind of worked. Clients really liked it. It gave us these positive, powerful testimonials. You know, your strength's gone up 23% in the last three months or whatever it might be. So people really liked it and they got the PDF, which excited them. Then we decided about three years ago, we wanted to add in an element of technology technology into it. So we started that process with the company that created our brand and our website in the UK. And so we wanted to incorporate that into every class. So make it a lot more seamless, a lot more easy to use. So we started that process three years ago. Um, with uh, with our, our concepts, you spend five minutes on each station. So five minutes cardio, five minutes strength. And at the end of each set, there's a tablet which um, through our booking system, it would have your name on it. You tap your name, tap in the distance that you've run, you tap in the weights that you've lifted. And so we started, well, it took about a year just to get to the stage where we could record the client's data in a very easy and seamless way. Once we did that, which was about two years ago, we could start the process of how we presented that data to the clients. So we started off with like a leaderboard on the screen, which you can opt in or opt out, or if you're not, you know, if you're not competitive, we had um, a dashboard that they could log into, but it was only through like a, a website we've now introduced an app to do that we have charts and graphs now of all of our sets all of our you know cardio sets and all of our strength sets as well so they can go in at any time see how they're doing see what today's sets are on those um, if they're going to on their way to a class they can see what's coming up see what they got last time and what we found that's really cool and we didn't really plan this but the way that it's worked out is it actually gives a lot of information to the coach to deliver a very personalized workout so let's say for example brian you came to base it's a one kilometer time trial and you got four minutes 30 as your best score right your your, your best time in the past so we can say brian how are you feeling today you're like yeah i'm feeling pretty good feeling pretty sharp i've been training a lot recently okay brian so what you need to do is hold this kind of pace to beat your personal best. And, you know, during the class, we can go and we can check up on you. We can let you know if you've got the right pace to hit your PB, you know, to beat that. And we found that's been a really powerful tool for the coach to be able to deliver a great personalized class. Um, and so that's been really popular with our members. You know, we think this technology that we spent you know three years and a lot of money developing now puts us in a good position to go to singapore which has been the big goal over the last few years which has been slowed down a little bit for obvious reasons and you know I, i've been to new york since then i've been to london and i don't think any boutique studio is really offering this experience and this 
kind of level of um, interaction with their coach from what I've seen. So I think this does give us the option to, you know, yeah, expand out, go to bigger markets. And it's baseline is the name of our technology. And, you know, our mission now is to really put baseline in the hands of as many people as we can, because we think it's a great tool for like tracking your progress and making sure that you're getting better. I love it. I love, you know, obviously we don't do anything without data anymore, or feedback or benchmarks or anything like that. So, you know, it's really cool that you've got this proprietary, uh, you know, programming that, that you're able to use with that. Do you think that that's something that you'll really, you said, try and get in as many hands as possible? I mean, do you think that that's the, the business now? I mean, it's kind of a byproduct or offshoot of, of the gym itself? Yeah, so we, we, we do want to keep it with base because it's interwoven with our programming. So we could kind of adapt it and maybe have a you know white label off-the-shelf products that any gym could use. But really, it's very interwoven with our concepts, our programming, you know, the way that we combine hit and strength. So whilst you could tweak it and sell it, it's something that we will sort of develop ourselves. You know, we want to put it in the hands of more people by basically opening up more locations. We're looking at potentially a franchise model as well. So, you know, something kind of similar to, to Orange Theory. I think that once we've got to this stage, I think we're in quite a good position to have a franchise model because the technology is already there. The programming is already there, you know, with a bit more of a push forwards, I think it would be quite set up for someone kind of, you know, opening this up anywhere, hopefully in New York where yeah, you guys are yeah, at some yeah. point as well. So, so yeah, that's, that's the goal. That's the plan. It's but very, you know, like it's I said, very it's interesting. Slowed down a little bit. Tell us, um, tell us about the experience. I know that, you know, a lot of our listeners are always looking for new ideas and, and what's out there, what's cutting edge. Obviously this is working for you. And we know, we know the, you know, orange theories, we know the F45s, we know a lot of these barriers, boot camps and chains are out there and they know about them already. So what, tell us now about how many people per coach, how many, you know, what, what do they expect when they walk in? I know you said, you know, like five minutes per station or whatnot. What's the experience like when you come in that door? Yes, in terms of experience, that's why I'd say I've really got a lot of inspiration from the top gyms around the world. You know, when I go to New York and London, I'm not thinking, right, what, what programming can we steal? Right. You know, I like how they put these two exercises. Let's do that. It's really more, as you said, the whole experience. And that, for me, kind of starts at, at the website. You know, when you go in and you, you first find out about a studio, you know, you might Google 10, top 10 boutique studios in New York or something like that, right? And then you see how they introduce the concept through the website. How easy is it to book? You know, when you arrive at the studio, how do they greet you? What music are they playing? You know, one studio that I found particularly inspiring was Rumble in New York, just because the branding is just so bang on. You know, all the little things, even the speakers right up in the corner, I noticed had a little sort of rumble logo on it, you know, and it was branded in rumble colors. It's like the little fine details like that I found really inspiring. So we just sort of found our way really of incorporating that into the base experience. You know, even in New York, in many of the top studios, I noticed I wasn't really being greeted. I think in the right way. We went to, it can remain unnamed, one of the top studios in New York and the girls there just eating sushi. It's quite smelly. It's our first time in that studio. She doesn't even look at us. She just says sign there and our name's on a piece of paper and she's, I don't know, watching YouTube videos or something like that. And actually that was a good studio with a good experience and the coach was great. When we walked away, you know, she didn't say anything like, hey guys, thanks for joining. Hope you had a great class. And so the very beginning and the very end of that experience wasn't great and you know those are the the moments that you really remember when you first walk through the door and when you leave you know a little bit of energy a little bit of an effort from her and it would have turned like a good experience into a great experience so when i see things like that in the studios that i visit i'm like 
need to make sure that isn't happening at base. You know, we do a lot of training with the staff on, yeah, how to greet people, how to connect with them. You know, we, we put a lot of energy into our recruitment process to bring on the right kind of people so they want to do that as well. I think that's that's important. And so, you know, in the last yeah five years, certainly, we've just sort of been refining that process really to make sure we're bringing in the right people, we're training them, bringing in the right managers so they can inspire you know, the front desk team to kind of do that in the right way. And then you've got the class, of course, you know, just, it's just little things like uh, the sound system. You know, I noticed that a lot of studios in Bangkok didn't have a great sound system. So we wanted to spend a little bit more on that. The bathrooms, you know, no, no studio at the time when we opened up used to give towels. You had to pay to have a towel, you know, a workout towel and a, and a, and a shower towel. So I was like, no, that, that's part of the base thing. You've got to have a towel, part of the experience. So yeah, it's just kind of investing in some of those little touches, which, you know, cost a bit, but I think really, really add up to us being, uh, us realizing that initial vision of we want to be, you know, a world-class studio. We want to have an experience. And if you plopped it in the middle of London, it would still be one of the top studios there. And I think, you know, the market and I think people here kind of really appreciated that. Then you've got the class experience, of course. We just, yeah, that, that was the thing that we got right first, I think, or before the front desk part. The front desk part took a few years, to be honest, to really get right. And we've really done a lot of work on that in the last two to three years. The initial energy really went into the class experience. So yeah, just making sure the instructor knows your name. Baseline has really helps with that because they have a lot of information on the on the client and where they're at and they know when to sort of push them and when to hold them back you know that's something else i thought was missing in the industry i think a lot of too many studios are like go 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 you can do it you know it's got 100 miles an hour without that necessarily being the best advice you know we call it cheerleading over coaching so that we're very much on the coaching side maybe you need to dial them back if they start at 100 miles an hour bring them back and maybe they can finish the session at 100 miles an hour so yeah we do a lot of work on the co- with the coaches in the same way as the front desk and helping them connect helping them deliver the right session to the right person at the right time um and again the recruitment process just making sure that they want to be there that's one of the big things we talk about you've got to want to be there or at least appear like you want to be there so we talk about you know how you can do that if you arrive at the studio at 6am and you're tired in a bad mood and it's been raining how do you overcome that we, we we talk about that in our training process at the beginning we kind of visit that in our mind how that feels and what you need to do to get over that why it's so important that if you arrive at that time and there's only one person in your class you still got to deliver an amazing class and you know, that person will come back and will find you every time if you give them a great class whereas if you just listen to your feelings and your emotion you don't deliver a good class well, that person will do the opposite they will never come back to your class and they might tell other people in the changing rooms i've heard the girls talk a lot in the changing rooms from what I've what I've been told and they will share their favorite coaches and the ones to avoid so it's kind of either an accumulative effect upwards like that one person then seeks to join your class and every month you get one extra person that connects with you and loves you and joins your class and it either like accumulates upwards or accumulates downwards so yeah we do a lot of work on that in the coach training process and I think that's probably the part of base that, that that i'm most proud of really is the work that we do with the coaches and building them up to like industry leading coaches i didn't quite get that level of education so we're really happy now myself and the management team to deliver that to the new guys and girls that come in i i can base like everything on attitude and effort right for better or worse right if good attitude and and great effort or you know bad attitude and bad effort i, I mean it's just it it, it it tells itself you know exactly what it has to um, yeah, you know, yeah. so you're, you're completely right about that. I mean, you know, it's just it, identifying that though, isn't it? It's like identifying, right. which I think I, I, I've got better at over the years, sure. you know, either through the recruitment process or through the probation period, 
you know, it's it's you get quicker and better at recognizing who has good energy and who has good effort. Well, good. let's talk about better over the years. Um, you are now involved with the I don't know a certain podcast, <laughs> right? So you are yep. doing the host of the Fitness Business Asia podcast. Now, you have to be doing something right if you are you know, hosting the fitness business podcast for Asia. I mean, something's got to be working for you. So now you've, you know, you've left this banking, you've done all these jobs. You've, we call people like you multi-potentialites, Jack. <laughs> and that means I heard that before, yeah, like you're it. a multi-potentialite and it's, I suffer from this as well. It's okay. You know, Brian's got a little bit of this as well. It's not a disease, right? It's yeah. not. Um, it's, well, you, I mean, you either have it or you don't. I think it's something that's, you're, it's innate. You're born we, with we're it. We're very well-rounded. They, yeah. used, they used to call them renaissance men or women, mm-hmm. you know? You, 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 you kind of have a... Yes. Well, you potentially could go in many different yeah, directions multi- and be successful. Potentialite. You have to do a lot of different things in different directions in order to... Yeah thrive and function like you know you're growing businesses and you've been transitioning everything you've learned is obviously you know skills that you're taking with you to to grow and affect more people and affect more change and obviously we started our podcast so we could give other people a voice and that we could educate people around the world about how to get healthier and more fit and live more fulfilling lives so how did the whole podcast come about now with you know, you've obviously, you know, five years of this and now we're here. When did that start? So I recognized early on in my fitness career, you know, 10 years ago that I wanted to improve my public speaking. You know, although I felt quite comfortable delivering a class, you know, when I was growing up at school, I always felt really uncomfortable kind of standing in front of any more than like two people that I didn't know and sort of presenting an idea. And that was something that I really wanted to improve. So back in my last job, I really took every opportunity I could to practice that. So I ran like nutrition seminars for our clients and like, you know, beginners fitness training seminars and just, yeah, took any opportunity I could really to practice that. And I started listening to fitness business podcasts um, about a year or six months into our base journey and was just learning so much, um, but realized that there wasn't really one for Asia. And so I, I basically started the podcast that I wanted to hear. Um, and so at first it was, yeah, I guess a bit rough around the edges, as you would expect. And I was doing some solo podcasts that were very like rehearsed, you know, I'd really script everything out and I would spend hours and hours like recording each little bit. And when I look, when I listen back now, it's, 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 it's it, the information is good, I think, but, um, or it's not bad considering where I was at then, but it just sounds very scripted and sounds very rehearsed. And then over time I became more comfortable. Then I started bringing on guests from around Asia. Um, and so, yeah, I started the podcast that I wanted to hear i also had some of our team that were asking about the business side and i wasn't really sure how to teach them about that really you know what i just pull them into the office and start showing them spreadsheets so i just saw a better way to do it an easier way we just used to record my thoughts and feelings on the fitness industry and running a business and my experiences and they could either listen or not listen and that would be up to them i also thought it'd be a great networking tool and it certainly has been that you know, I've met some amazing people from around Asia, you know, some businesses come from it as well. And I also thought sort of longer term, it could help to get my name out and Base's name out. You know, obviously, we have big ambitions now, 
perhaps looking at you know franchise model and certainly looking at expansion and i thought well you know if i can get base out to more people and myself out to more people it should make that process easier down the line and it's certainly done that so it really has ticked all of those boxes about six months in i made a decision to post every single week and i've done at least one episode every single week since then we're on episode number 160 now i don't need to script anything out i just make bullet points I can do it in about 15 minutes, actually. Bullet points for five minutes and a 15 to 20 minute podcast I can kind of do off the bat, um, which is cool. And I think it comes across as a lot more natural now, I think. I think the, the episodes come across a lot better. So our, our numbers have gone up as well. You know, we have people contacting us to say how it's really helped with their business, which has been awesome. And I think if we do switch to that franchise model, I think, you know, it's a great tool to, to, to connect with more people. They will have faith, not just in base as a model, but also in, you know, our fitness, our, our fitness business expertise. Um, and, you know, hopefully they'll be really sold on the concept from, from what we talk about. So, you know, I share all the highs and lows. You know, what's gone well, what hasn't. Um, I found that people kind of kind of like to hear that, you know, it makes it more more real and more authentic. So, yeah, it's got, and it's in line with our original mission, which is to raise the standards of the fitness industry in Asia. You know, first of all, I wanted to do that through base. Now I want to do it through helping other fitness business owners as well. I'm I'm smiling over here. Oh yeah, it sounds familiar. This is this is why we do what we do, and you have to you have to remember, like you know, I'm the way that you you know the way that you get yourself out there and the way that you change more lives is through networking and and that was you know Brian and I never expected the. I mean, we're still in this. This is we're. I feel like this is still a baby for us, even yeah. though it's been you know three almost we're, four years we're that two hundred and yeah thirty five episodes in of this show and not counting like the other stuff that we do with it. But right. the it's fun, right? The amount oh, it's of the best. I mean, we're going to give ourselves college degrees at this point <laughs> because of the amount of amazing the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, the amazing people, and the information that we've gotten from them. And the connections and the, I mean, rolling into any, I mean, we could roll into any city around the country or, you know, around the world and Bangkok now (laughs) and be like, hey, yo, Jack, we're in town. And there's, there's so much that we get from one another, especially, you know, networking. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Who can I connect you with? And just that ripple effect. I mean, for us, we could be selfish and be like, this has been pretty freaking amazing. But we're hoping we're also making big changes in other people's lives and helping other people, you know, just like you who were like, hey, I felt like mm, this wasn't for me. Well, think of all the people that didn't have that that courage and the, you know, ambition that they went for and said, I went for it. And I mean, how cool is your life, Jack? Right. Like you got to be. Yeah, you, Absolutely. Ask me. How cool is my life? <laughs> how cool is your life? It's pretty cool. It's pretty crazy. Damn cool, right? <laughs> it's crazy. It's fit crazy. It's absolutely crazy on a daily basis, but I thrive in that. That's what makes Brian crazy sometimes too. That I love your craziness. I think <laughs> makes it's, him feel better. I think it, it helps a lot. <laughs> uh, but you know, all of all of it. It's it's been the greatest networking tool that that we could have ever imagined, and it wasn't really and the main, cheesy. And no. Not like not like oh, we're having a networking thing. It's no, like, it's not. It's not the main reason why we it's started. The best it. kind of networking. Yeah, it's it's better than you know just sending out an email or going for a coffee with someone. You know, it, it helps you establish these amazing sort of deep connections. And I'm sure you found the same. Often you have that hour podcast, but sometimes I'm talking for like, especially if it's in person, you're talking for like an hour or two afterwards as well. You know, and yeah. it's almost like. 
yeah, you can really go deep with people that are doing great things. And I think that's, yeah, it's been, it's really been awesome. Absolutely. And for you with a product and things that you're looking to, you know, sell and move on in the, you know, move along in the, in the future, you know, it's a pretty good spot and that networking really com- comes in handy. Uh, what is, uh, so what is business like in Asia? I mean, we've gone over kind of what Bangkok and Thailand is like, what's, uh, what's Asia as a whole, like fitness wise? Well, COVID notwithstanding, it's it's going great. It's 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 booming here. You know, Singapore is is leading the way. You know, they've got all of the franchises, studios on every street corner. You know, a high penetration rate. I think about ten percent, which is by far and away the, the the highest in Asia. Other cities now are really catching up. So you've got kind of Hong Kong and Singapore leading the way. Then you have like Bangkok, KL, perhaps Jakarta that are doing big things. Like I said, really boomed in the last 10 years. And then you've got these other up and coming cities as well. Kind of Ho Chi Minh and Vietnam. Myanmar's going through some struggles at the moment, but Yangon had a really blossoming fitness scene a lot of studios opening there and f45 opened up on my friend recently so it's yeah it's, it's it's really booming and it really is the the region of potential i think just because you know in the cities it's quite popular but there's a lot of up-and-coming emerging cities that look up to somewhere like well places in the states but also they look up to sort of bangkok and they look up to singapore and jakarta and they kind of want the trends that are popular there but they're just a little bit slower to take them up so the potential is just absolutely massive and absolutely huge and that you know that makes makes me really excited i don't think we've really seen a fitness brand come out of asia into other cities around the world so i'm kind of hoping that base will be the first one to do that but we're seeing more gyms coming in you know barry's boot camp for example has opened up in singapore i think their plans have been a little bit slowed down but they're coming in you know um the exponential umbrella of brands have started in singapore as well i think their bar concepts whatever that's called has opened up in singapore so they're looking to come into the region as well so it really is you know a, a fantastic region of opportunity at the moment it gets me very excited um i'm very happy to be be here you know in the thick of the action um so, yeah, I think, you know, it's a developing market, tons of opportunity, tons of potential. But, yeah, at the moment, things have been slowed down a little bit, especially, you know, as we record this mid-2021. But whenever we do come out the back of that, hopefully in a few months, you know, I think we can pretty much pick up where we left off. And I, I, the one thing we have seen as well, undoubtedly, is that when we do come to the end of a COVID wave, people are very happy to get back in. You know, <laughs> online fitness has been okay, but people just want to get back in the studio. I don't know if that's been the same in the US, yes. we've seen our online numbers go from a great number to an extremely low one as soon as the doors are open. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think that both are here to stay. Uh, you know, I think that there'll always be an online, you know, aspect to it all. But but we're seeing people really want to be in person. They want their friends. They want their tribe. They want to, to really mix it up in person and and uh, and, and have a, a wonderful experience. So it's it's great. It's exciting that you're in this uh, in this, you know, this. Um, spot of growth and development and and everything and i and i really do think and you know look covid we'll never say it was a blessing but if, if we could look at it in some way it was a time of incubation for a lot of people like that were getting out of those jobs that they weren't quite so happy with and looking at you know emerging markets and and emerging uh you know products like fitness and health and wellness and stuff that that's really been been taken off 
and I think that they had the time to work on it, and I think that coming out of this worldwide, we're going to see some really cool stuff, uh, some really neat products, some really neat gym concepts and, and, and things just that, that have been developed, but just from people having the time to work on things that isn't like the day-to-day of their normal grind and, and things like that. And so. things go away that were that are just unnecessary yeah. fillers is the other thing. I don't think it's a bad thing that that people have realized. Hey, you know what? Maybe fitness is not for me. Like as like certain trainers and things like that, and the people yeah. use their time to really educate. I love. I'm going to point out that even you know as we were podcasting through COVID, you know the people that we were talking to were like, hey, you know what? This has happened and this, but we're doing this and this and this and this. And there was a lot of the people that are really in this industry for the right reasons, the people that you're looking to hire, the people that are even at the front desk. Hey, how are you? Hi, blah, blah. I mean, we're the ones that are in it that are going to that should be in it because we want to be here as opposed to "Eh, it's just a job or "Eh." and that that's what I think is really exciting. And I think that that's going to elevate and motivate more people because as people start to come out i mean i love both the virtual and the in-person i'm i'm not gonna lie i love them both but i think as people start to come out and realize wow these the people that made it the trainers the fitness professionals that are still here are the ones that really wanted to be here and that's what i think is gonna help you know kind of elevate the importance of fitness or or get the excitement back in because it's not that uh Doing this because of yeah, I think it was kind of a moment of reckoning, wasn't it? Last year, and we talked about it a lot on the podcast. It was like you know, really think about whether this is the industry for you, and think about whether you want to take on this challenge as a gym. And you know, I think in many ways it sort of sped up a lot of the gyms that were going to close anyway, a lot of the trainers that were going to quit anyway, and it just kind of sped that up. So you know, I think we talked about it a lot on the podcast when it first hit, when it first hit big, right? Sort of March, April last year, and so I think yeah, people did see that as their kind of their way out. You know, we seen it in some gyms here i think they weren't really enjoying it to be honest the owners after having conversations with them i kind of realized they weren't really up for it weren't really up for the challenge weren't really enjoying it It wasn't quite the dream they thought it would be so you know they took this as an opportunity to kind of step out and put their energy and their efforts somewhere else so yeah you've got to take all the positives you can through something like this and i think one of them is that it's it's kind of um flushed out if you will some of the people that weren't quite really into it and they can move on to other things that you know hopefully they do want to do I, you know what? Uh, same thing. I was in mortgage banking during the financial crisis in you know oh eight oh nine, and uh, and and my manager at the time was fantastic, and he had been in mortgages for thirty you know plus years, and he says we want this in the aspect that in the sense that it gets rid of the people that are just dabbling in it. The professionals will remain. You know, and if we treat our, you know, when we work as professionals, and I, I did, I made it through. I left on my own terms. I didn't get out because of that. No, I did, I did, I did, I did. No, 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 no. I left. I left much later. Later. Uh, I, I, I decided that it clearly wasn't for me. Uh, but uh, you know, at the time, and I, I got that. You know, and I think that we're at the same point. The professionals, the people dedicated to it, the people who are, you know, the credentialed, well-credentialed uh, trainer and the well, you know, fitness professional. They're not going anywhere, and it's just going to leave more market and, and opportunity for them. Yeah, Jack, yeah, give us a, give us a give us a I don't know give us a five or ten year projection before we uh, before we end today. Where are you envisioning, obviously, base and just your role in the industry? Are you still in Bangkok? What, what do you think? Give us a 
gives a hypothetical. Yeah. So I, 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 all roads kind of lead to Singapore, I think, in in Asia in terms of sort of really growing and developing your brand. And if we do have aspirations to go international, probably got to spend some time there at least. So within the next year, uh, I, I will go to Singapore to help set up our first few locations there. Um, in that time, we will look to build out the franchise model, you know, give as much support as we can to franchisees in terms of sort of, um, you know, online portal technology so they can kind of see the workouts and follow the workouts, develop our baseline technology out further as well. Um, spend a few years in Singapore showing that it will work in another market and not just another market, but another big market or the biggest market in, in, in Asia, which, you know, in some ways really does mirror the trends very closely that you see in the US. Then I think it's an easier play into the second tier country and cities in in asia so you know, i think we'd certainly have a lot of interest from kl from jakarta from hong kong if we can make it a success in singapore and i'm very confident that we can then it's you know if we built out this strong franchise model with a true differentiator such as baseline look at the you know the world's top fitness cities really so you know sydney london new york um or at least you know us uk and australia um and really try and compete with the big boys in the biggest markets in the world so yeah and we'll kind of see that where that takes me personally but yeah i think you know bangkok's great bangkok's awesome it's a fantastic place to be but you know on a personal level on a business level i probably have to go somewhere like singapore or maybe elsewhere if i really want to grow this thing big but absolutely ambitious to do that absolutely excited with the technology that, that you know people are going to want this and it's going to really help them you know, that's that's really what I believe. And that's really what's driving it. I think without that, if we were just another circuit training studio, I'd be more realistic and realize that maybe, you know, just in Bangkok is pretty much as far as we can go. But I believe so much in what we've developed that I want to kind of blow it up as big as I can. And then in terms of Fitness Business Asia and the podcast, yeah, certainly continue that. Certainly having great conversations with people such as yourself. You know, I love doing podcasts, not just within Asia, but outside as well. And, you know, it's been really cool to connect and meet a lot of people. So definitely we'll continue to do that. Um, we're looking at getting some sponsorship on the podcast. So that'll kind of help us take it to the next level, maybe getting some video production and stuff like that. So yeah, onwards and upwards, really. Who knows where the next six months will be, but I do hope in the next five or 10 years, things will be much better. And, you know, base will have realized its ambitions and dreams. All right. Well, did you hear that? All of our listeners. So, uh, a sponsors B, um, who, who's looking to bring this to, uh, to United States, I know, and beyond. So, That's uh, right. we're, we got to put it out in the universe. We so get, we get, we actually get a lot, a lot of, a lot of listeners in Singapore. So you never know. We know okay. some, yeah. Jack, we know some people and I know you know some people and that's why we do what we do. I mean, you know, I, I've got a bunch of trainers in Singapore, which is crazy. You know that. Have you been to Singapore? I have not been there, but I have a bunch of okay. um, trainers for one of my programs in Singapore. Which That's cool. I remember thinking, That's cool. like, it's weird. Why do I have a presence in Singapore? But now, you know, the more people I talk to are like, now Singapore is is really where it's at. So I'm gonna have to be lively. They're into their education as well. Yes, you know, the trainers they're really upskill. So yeah, I, I can see that. They have Crazy. a lot of conferences and stuff. Mm -hmm. So. Oh yeah. yeah well, so you did present. I was, at oh, I did present in Singapore at Expo. I was just in um, at presenting at Expo. Virtually. Oh, virtually. Okay. Yes. Ah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I was in their last in-person one. I presented there <gasps> in 2019 in person. I know. But sadly, we haven't done any more since then. I love telling well, people. Well, maybe next year fly over. Well, that's the thing. That'd Singapore and Australia, Philex and Australia, were only a week apart. So I'm like, hmm. Do I need to next year do like a little like? 
first I go to Australia, jump over to Singapore, come see you, yeah. you know, come yeah, back. Yeah. I know. Do a little. Do I mean, make you, a trip of it. you can call it backpacking. Backpacking yeah. seems to work, right? Okay. You can backpack. Yeah, as long as you've got a backpack, you're backpacking. <laughs> All no right. one can sell you anything else. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, do it. Do it. You're very welcome in Bangkok. Really, come over. But I'll probably be down in Singapore as well, if, as long as we can do it. Then, as long as we're allowed. I'm just gonna yeah, knock on people's doors. Hey, hey, it's Christine <laughs> <laughs> and Brian. I'm coming yeah. with you. Hey. She, she won me in a card game. So I have to go everywhere she goes, right? She, with the cards, it was a good pot, and uh, she won me. Uh, I go wherever I'm she like goes. I'm like flypaper. Rules are rules. You gotta follow her. That's oh my right. gosh! Um, this is amazing. Yeah. I, I really, I really enjoyed this. Why, why uh, don't you tell everybody how they can find out more about you, about the podcast, about Base, and everything you got going on? Go. BaseBangkok.com or on Instagram or Facebook and Fitness Business Asia. Just search that anywhere and you'll find the podcast. That's probably the easiest way to find out what we're all about. Awesome. Awesome. Short and, and sweet. And there I'm going to congratulate you on your uh, your public speaking skills that you worked on so hard because you're a hell of, a, you're a hell of a, a, an orator here. And, uh, you know, it Thank seems you. like Appreciate you're having it. fun. He plans like, like we do for like hours do. for our podcast. Yeah, a couple <laughs> bullet points. You just wing it. Right? It's talking. It's conversation. Yeah. We can all do that. We I we enjoy this. This is this is fun. Yeah. I like I said, we've only had like, I don't know, a couple of guests that were like <laughs> but everyone else is fantastic. Did you do a triathlon or something over the weekend? I've got I've got magic marker on I her bi- on her guns over here. <laughs> She's been you, known to do something. You never know like what, I don't know. You I just, never know I'm it's going to happen. Well, I just I just noticed that, Christine. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's fine. It's, it's been do. fun, guys. I appreciate it. This is uh I like the style. You know, kind of a bit more fun, a bit more informal. Many podcasts are just kind of like a question and answer back and forth. Hey, so it's definitely been fun. We want to get we want to get your word out there, and you know, sometimes we have uh, you know our listeners know. Sometimes we have some very like you know scientific stuff going on, and sometimes it's just pure chaos of recaps <laughs> of races and and things, and it's just uh, we had to get to know you, Jack. Yeah. You know, we got to get the and get the next the time you come on, you know, we're gonna have to do a recap of where you're at. That's why I always ask our guests, where do you see yourself? Because when you come back, we expect that stuff done because you put it out in the universe i like it a bit of accountability i appreciate that guys there you go let's do it five years time let's revisit <laughs> all right with that said it is christine Conti. and i'm brian prender and yes. we are two fit crazy and the microphone we are where it's at peace